1: very easy for governments to just go along with what uh the corporations and the dominant media um are putting forward so i think that the you know the simple explanation is to is to get mobilized that's voice of author and activist eves engler on this week's show we speak to eves about the ongoing imperialism in latin america and particularly venezuela and ongoing colonialism at home stay tuned
0: You are listening to Latin Waves and your host, Sylvia Richardson. I'm delighted this morning to be joined by Yves Engler. He is the author of many books, including Left, Right, Marching to the Beat of Imperial Canada. Thank you very much for joining us, Yves.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Now, you are a writer who has been keeping the pause not only on politics and political system, um, the history of imperialism in this nation, but you're also someone who uh, deeply offers a perspective of what we must be paying attention to. So in recent history, this last year of 2020 has been a year of pandemic. Uh, The world will remember this year as the year of the pandemic. But to me, there are other pandemics that are perhaps more alarming, and that is the imperialism, that is neoliberalism, that is the constant aggression against the poor. Can we talk a little bit about the significant events uh, throughout Latin America in 2020?
1: From a, from a Canadian uh, perspective, one of the more significant things is the fact that the uh, Canadian government continues to aggressively support the uh, overthrow of a government in Venezuela. There was a uh, attempted invasion from a former Canadian military who was then a then a special forces in the U.S. military in May, attempted to... Uh, organized as a very, very kind of harebrained invasion plan that was uh, thwarted. And uh, and so, you know, the Canadian government continues with this policy of supporting uh, the overthrow of the government of Venezuela, says it's doing so because it cares about democracy, it cares about human rights. But yet next door in Colombia, where, by the way, the, uh, the invasion was partly launched from, invasion of Venezuela. Uh, The, the uh, Colombian, you know, human rights situation in Colombia gets goes from bad to worse, just in the last couple, you know, last day, 24 hours, there was uh, 17 people killed. Uh, The UN is reporting um, that there is more uh, social movement leaders that have been killed. uh, in the last six months, eight months this year, uh, than in recent years, it's on on pace for a higher number. Uh, there's also a peace agreement with the FARC in Colombia, um, and there's more and more assassinations of the the uh, FARC leaders who demobilized um, as part of the peace agreement, which is just another way of saying that the Colombian government is not holding up side. Of the peace agreement, which obviously is, you know, has the potential to drive towards another, um, you know, resurgence of of the civil war in Colombia. Um, So so the Canadian government says it's overthrowing, seeking to overthrow, and putting all kinds of effort to try to overthrow the Venezuelan government on the grounds of human rights and democracy. Yet here you have a situation of, you know, much worse. Uh, human rights violations taking place next door in, in, in Colombia. Same time you have a Canadian government that says it's, it's uh, you know, concerned about democracy in Venezuela. You have uh, an unelected coup government in Bolivia that uh, took power after the ouster of Evo uh, Morales, the first ever indigenous president uh, in uh, Bolivian history in the country, the most indigenous country in the hemisphere. Uh, back in November, and uh, this coup government that was supposed to you know, hold elections within a couple months of the coup, it was supposed to be just a caretaker government, it keeps postponing elections, it keeps uh, pushing uh, elections off because it knows it will lose, the likely victor will be the uh, Movimento, Movimento al Socialismo, the party of Ivo Morales. Um, and, uh, and so there's, you know, this mass of general strike in the last couple of weeks in Bolivia calling for elections, because they keep pushing these elections off, calling for elections as, as, as quick as possible, and then increasingly calling for the coup government to go. And you have total silence from the the uh, Trudeau government, just total silence about this, you know, this democracy uprising in, in Bolivia, again, but, we, but we're supposed to be so concerned about democracy and human rights in, in Venezuela. And so, you know, you just have, I think, in uh, 2020, despite um, the pandemic, uh, you have um, the continuation of this aggressive Canadian policy, you have sanctions, Canada sanctions against the government of Venezuela, again, in the context of the pandemic, despite International calls, from Secretary General of the UN, uh, other other UN uh, top officials calling for you know, alleviation of sanctions in the in the context of the pandemic, and you in fact have Canada. Having four rounds of sanctions against Venezuela, which are taking place alongside these increasingly devastating uh, U.S. sanctions that are have led to a situation where Venezuela can't basically export any oil, uh, has difficulty importing food, uh, and and you know basically you have the uh, the Trudeau government uh, backing this incredible economic political, uh, and in some cases, concretely, uh, military warfare against Venezuela, you know I mean, supporting an in- invasion. And so uh, I think that uh, what we've seen in 2020 is that the uh, Canadian government is uh, continuing with this uh, backing of uh, pro-US corporate uh, governments um, and seeking to undermine those governments that don't, uh, don't align with those types of policies.
0: For people who have not been uh, paying attention to the news, perhaps it will be surprising to hear that it's been almost two years from the U.S initiated coup in Venezuela, and uh, it has been ongoing. They have been unsuccessful to defeat the government, despite all the aggression, despite all the economic and uh, political aggression. We have seen the Venezuelan people uh, weather the storm. Um, and you're you're right to point out that Canada's in- interference and, and the <laughs> deliberate attempts also to participate uh, in the coup are alarming. Now, we in Canada have had our own share of issues uh, with the Wazubitan people fighting the expansion of pipelines on their land. We saw um, the Wissubitan not only uniting Indigenous people across Canada and threatening to bring the economy to a halt, which um, it almost seems the COVID just came to... Um, you know, silenced or invisibilized their efforts. But um, let's talk a little bit about the connection, though, between the Canadian interest in, um, you know, halting democratic processes in Bolivia and Venezuela and their own uh, struggles here, uh, the people's struggle here against mining companies in Canada.
1: One of the most important points in connecting those dots is, is, you know, we're looking at... uh, Canada and extractivism and the immense amount of corporate interests in this country that are tied into uh, extractivist policies and, and you know, with, specifically with Wet'suwet'en, it's about, about, you know, uh, frack gas and and, uh, and a pipeline uh, through Indigenous uh, uh, lands and the sort of We'll do anything. We can. We'll talk endlessly about reconciliation. We'll talk about you know indigenous rights, whatever. But basically, when it comes down to it, um, we're going to side with the the uh, the companies, the extractivist companies that that uh, you know want want to make a buck. Uh, and I think that uh, there's an important component of understanding Canadian policy. These are the Venezuelan government and the Bolivian government that is um, outgrowth of that type of uh, thinking. Uh, Canadian mining companies have, uh, and oil companies to a slightly less, lesser extent, but mining companies really, because kind of at the forefront, uh, have been um, massive players in in uh, Latin America over the past uh, few decades, and have benefited from uh, the adoption of neoliberal. Uh, policies across the uh, the hemisphere where where they really dominate the uh, mining sector and they're they're significant also but le- lesser extent in in, in oil uh, and other and other uh, uh, hydrocarbons. Um, the Bolivian government in this conflict is can company's the conflict with Bolivian government of Morales over its policies of demanding more or a greater share of uh, resources for the government and in some cases nationalizing. And then there's you know huge lithium deposits in, in Bolivia, and the Bolivian government was trying to set up its own national company that had some relationship to foreign companies, but trying to gain really the, the greater share of control and of the of the uh, wealth of the lithium. Um, and then in the case of the Venezuelan government, there's very clear conflicts between a number of kingdom gold companies and the Venezuelan government. And the Crystal X is the one that's best known as a $1.4 billion dollar um court judgment against the venezuelan government uh, crystal x does um and is sort of still seeking to get that get that money out of the venezuelan government um, but i think that more generally the the extractivist capitalist sector in canada views what's going on in venezuela and in bolivia as very threatening not only just because they have some interests in venezuela and bolivia but because they have you know 100 billion dollars plus in Peru, Mexico, Chile, and across the region, they basically fear the rise of, of uh, resource nationalism um, across the region, and so that's one of the uh, explanations for the uh, the aggressiveness of Canada's uh, uh, policy against the Venezuelan government. Is that it? Um, this is a government that was, uh, you know, in the crosshairs of. Of, uh, of big oil, of of the mining sector, the uh, American government, the Canadian government, basically have seen that the, in recent years the Venezuelan government has has become weaker for a whole series of reasons, due to price of oil dropping, due to um, changing uh, political dynamics in the region, more more right wing governments in the region, due to the death of Hugo Chavez, uh, due to a number of uh, important uh, uh, mistaken policies by the Venezuelan government. And so basically in, in all of uh, that context, they've, they see, they've seen an opportunity to really uh, go at the Venezuelan government, but the, but the hostility towards the Venezuelan government is longstanding, and it's in large part due to its push for uh, greater control and shares over, uh, um, over natural resources um, um, in the country.
0: I also see the connection between uh, indigenous struggles. You know, we saw with Eva Morales, the first ever indigenous president elected. And we also saw... A discussion that has not been heard before, and that was the nature has rights. This idea that Mother Nature is needs to be part of the discussion. What planet will we live in? And now with COVID, we are seeing, our, you know, the actions of this extractivist mode of doing economics. Coming full front, so can we talk a little bit about the responsibility then? You know, of the average Canadian, because we talk about this on a large scale, what the government should do, what governments are doing, uh, but in many ways, I think we also need to come to terms with the racism that it's you know inherent in all this. Practices of imperialism, practices of aggression, practices of invading and colonizing um, other places. Colonization continues today. You know, in Canada, we have been talking about decolonization and we've been talking about reconciliation, but colonization just keeps going on. You know, it continues in the form of trade agreements, it continues in the form of imposed pipelines in indigenous territories to which they said no. It continues in the form of, you know, this coups that we are financing as taxpayers. So how do we reclaim our autonomy, our power to create something other than an imperialist way forward?
1: Yeah, I mean I I don't think there's any uh simple explanation. I think that the the main simple explanation is we need to be engaged and uh and we need to be uh, uh inform ourselves and take action. And whether we take action by uh you know going to a uh protest in uh you know, I don't know in, in Vancouver or Victoria uh, in solidarity with the uh with who is in struggle, or whether we uh, you know go to a protest in solidarity with uh, uh, opposition to cane policy in, in Venezuela. Um, there are many groups that are generally fairly small and with limited resources that are engaging on, on these different issues. People basically need to get engaged. Colonialism, if enough people are um, engaged in a way to... To make sure that uh, that a government that tries to align with frack gas uh, pipeline company um, is going to feel more pain from the protest movement and from a mobilized population saying no, we want uh, a different relationship vis-a-vis. Uh, indigenous people uh, know we want a different relationship uh, with land with the uh, biosphere if the population is not mobilized it's very easy for governments to just go along with what uh, the corporations and the dominant media um, are putting forward so I think that the you know the simple explanation is to is to get mobilized obviously there's many elements to being mobilized I mean there's a there's a our Everyone individually needs to uh, reflect on these issues, needs to uh, inform themselves uh, on these issues. But that process is—I mean, knowledge is important. Uh, action is action is more important. And so, um, I think yeah, we need to basically get active, get involved in the groups that currently exist, build them up, um, strengthen those uh, movements, those politicians that are that are going in the. In the right direction, and do what we can to, uh, you know, to weaken those uh, those politicians that are going in the wrong direction
0: getting acquainted with our own history, you know, because in in recent years we have been uh, fallen prey to uh, thinking that because we elected a black president, somehow racism would somehow be altered in the U.S., for instance. In Canada, because we've elected some women to power, for instance, the recent appointment of Freeland, um, some people have hailed us. Oh, this is an opportunity. She will see it from a woman's perspective. And I wonder if you could just uh, for a moment perhaps talk a little bit about this because uh, just because we elect a woman to a position of power doesn't always relate or translate into you know, real change. Uh, but also just because we have um, it, the absence of them also doesn't make it better. However, I want to encourage us to not only look critically at who we are electing, who these people are, and what what is it that we as the public require in terms of actions from our elected elected officials? We, I believe it is both a co-creation. It is both an engagement of us individually and collectively as a group, and also of the people we allow to represent us in, in positions of power.
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, specifically, you know, Christian Friedland was right at the center of, uh, obviously, Canadian foreign policy for a couple of years as foreign affairs minister, and uh, she they put forward their, uh, you know, feminist uh, foreign policy uh, during that time. and uh, that's uh, I mean, you know, is it is it is it a uh, feminist foreign policy to uh, to massively expand the Canadian military, which is a you know hub of uh, beyond being you know warlike and killing people abroad is a hub of. Of, uh, of patriarchy, one of the you know, most important sources of, of toxic masculinity in the country. Uh, is it a is it feminist foreign policy to vote against a UN resolution uh, upholding uh, the rights of Palestinian women which the Trudeau government voted against? Um, is, it a, is, it, is it feminist foreign policy to back Canadian mining companies, and uh, as anyone who knows, follows the conflicts with Canadian mining companies, uh, women are disproportionately impacted because, for a whole series of reasons, um, t- the jobs tend to be men that get the jobs. Uh, women tend to do do more of the you know caregiving kind of uh, work in communities that get demolished by you know sludge of toxins in the water, and that leads to all kinds of health effects. Um, so if you if you actually investigate the rhetoric specifically about Trudeau. Uh, his government and Christian Freeland and the whole rhetoric around feminist foreign policy you, you find that there's uh, there's a lot a lot to be desired uh, uh, from from that and whether the, uh, the rhetoric comes close to uh, to reality and, and same thing you know take a look at Barack Obama okay yes it's the first uh, uh, black uh, president and that's clearly an advancement in one sense but you know what was Barack Obama's uh, Response to uh, the African Union saying, uh, you know, don't bomb the hell out of Libya. Um, this is going to be bad for Africa. Well, he went forward and bombed Libya. And what what happened? It led to a, a war in Mali that, you know, as we've seen in the press in, in recent days, is, um, you know, spurs, you know, continues to be destabilized and direct outgrowth of the conflict in, in Libya um, across the Sahel region. You know, the politicians, you can't you have to go beyond the rhetoric. You have to go beyond them saying nice sounding words and look at what's the actual policy. Does that policy align with being you know, feminist? Does that policy align with being anti-racist? And you find uh, very often, when particularly in particularly international affairs, but also on domestic affairs, that uh, the rhetoric, certainly from the liberal government, the rhetoric can often sound fairly good, um, but the, the actual policies don't align. And that's, again, that gets back to this question of having a mobilized citizenry. If we're just passive, uh, and we just just consume what the dominant media tells us, and we, we just sort of sit back and, and, and you know, sort of listen to the politicians and and, 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 and don't do that Deeper work, and that deeper work is partly, you know, going ourselves and personally engaging with, with you know, more information. But but information sharing, of course, is also, um, you know, political activity, and uh, and you know, mo- movements are in large part what push different, you know, uh, I- information. It, um, if we don't if we don't get engaged in that way, then it's very easy for the politicians to just make high minded statements and. And uh, and just go along with what they say, and and have reality be very far from uh, the rhetoric be very far from reality.
0: And and what I like to say is that although the the immediate future looks dire. Political agitation, you know, and that means from the people, um, has always delivered. You know, we've seen how in Venezuela it delivered Hugo Chavez. Um, Venezuela had a terrible history. Now, that has been the part of the reason why the U.S. and Canada are so intent on uh, accosting and trying to bring down this is because it has set a very good example for the region of a government who nationalized a lot of these industries. It improved a lot of the people's um, significantly poor um, you know, it improved their lives. And although you're right, it made some political mistakes, it has been and continues to be a very good example for uh, the southern region of, of Latin America. So what what excites you if there was something that, um, a bit of silver lining in all this, um, what, what do you look forward to in the coming, you know, near future?
1: Well, I mean, I think there's there's lots to be excited by. I mean, I think that this the you know movement around the Suicin struggle was you know, the most important indigenous solidarity and indigenous-led uh, protest uh, mobilization in, in Canadian history. That's obviously a big success. The fact that the Venezuelan government has not uh, uh, been overthrown nearly two years into this very open and aggressive campaign. Uh, I think that there's even some some signs that, with regards to the post-pandemic you know, sort, of, sort of social democracy in Canada, there's some some serious possibilities in terms of um, steps forward in, in in you know social programs. So I think that seems to be that seems to be on on the agenda in you know in the immediate in the short medium medium term. So so there are many examples, many things that people uh, um, you know should be. See, see positively that doesn't mean that there isn't also um you know all kinds of signs of uh you know you look at what they're doing with regards to uh you know controls over uh pollution in the tar sands i mean you know they, they're using the pandemic to uh to get rid of the most you know already pathetic levels of uh, of controls on uh, on uh, you know pollution there um so there's this you know i think there's there's many signs in the right direction uh, then there's also many many signs in the wrong direction um, but uh, but most of these issues are, are you know are in play and it's a matter of whether we uh, we uh, we get mobilized to uh, to make sure that the um, the more just uh, ecologically sound uh, element uh, wins out Thank, thanks for having me let's finish with Kai Tresi Latin America Cancunapa
2: Atardeceres, soy el desarrollo en carne viva Un discurso político sin saliva Las caras más bonitas que he conocido Soy la fotografía de un desaparecido La sangre dentro de tus venas Soy un pedazo de tierra Que vale la pena una canasta con frijoles Soy Maradona contra Inglaterra Anotándote dos goles Soy lo que sostiene mi banda. La espina dorsal del planeta en mis cordillera Soy lo que me enseñó mi padre El que no quiere a su patria, no quiere a su madre Soy América Latina Un pueblo sin pierna, pero que camina, oye Tú no puedes comprar al viento Tú no puedes comprar al sol
1: We've come to the end of our show, Latin Waves. Latin Waves is an internationally syndicated weekly program made available through campus and community stations and available out to the world at
2: www.latinwavesmedia.com.